I've only done that once in all the Welcome to Sports, Bets, and Politics with your host, Ben Husson, and me, Sean Hamm. Welcome to episode 27 of Sports Clicks and Politics. I am Sean Hannon. I am joined again, as always, by Mr. Ben Husong. Mr. Husong, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. How was your weekend? My weekend. It was good. It was quiet, but it was good. Uh, Home repair projects and spending time with the wife and the kids. Um, Coaching flag football still, so it's it's always fun. Flags. Do they uh, wear the flags as masks? No, they have to have masks on the entire time, though, which is... Can you pull the mask off and that's kind of a tackle? I think they should, but I'm just focusing on, like, the basics of you want to run the ball that way, and not every play needs to be a Hail Mary. Uh, I mean, what's, what fun is that? They're ben, nine. Ben, I'm looking at the video here. It looks like we match. We did pretty good today. I mean, I don't think it was intentional, I mean, but yeah, no, we're doing all right. all right. Yeah. See, the best is you see the video live, but my angle is, like, on a five-second delay or yeah. ten-second delay, so I never know what you're looking at until after. No, no, no. How was your weekend? uh, My weekend, uneventful. I hurt my back. A lot of strenuous activity? uh, No. Um, Not a lot of anything, but just standing uh, up. uh, Yeah. I had a lot of video. I had a lot of audio editing over the uh, way to you guys. Our interview today, um, we conducted this, what was on Friday? Friday. Friday. uh, I was not expecting the interview to go the way it went, um, or at least not as passionate as it went, or as much... uh, down the rabbit hole that and it went, but it went and it I, went hard. He came out swinging. Yeah, it was. Awesome. He said, "Don't get him going," and immediately he was already. I, he was in going, and it was. I was sort of like, a, "Hey, let's start with some background and let's start with this." And he just came out with like an overhand left and was like, "Now nah, we're throwing haymakers today." Haymakers, it was. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> so that here was, we go. Uh, so yeah, we had Gary Malewski, uh, publisher of Cyber Defense Magazine. He's a former member, or founding member of uh, Department of Homeland Security. He's a cyber security expert. So uh, we wanted to pick his brain about uh, all this election stuff that's going on, and uh, he came through in the clutch. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, when I, I would make it. sure that anybody who has this video and wants to watch it again uh, records their own version. I can't imagine that it's up on Facebook more past the week. No, no shot. Um, it was one of those things of I don't I don't know cybersecurity all that well. I don't speak this IT language. I'm vaguely aware that it's ones and zeros, and then you put them in different orders. Okay, fine. Like as soon as uh, as soon as Gary opened his mouth, I went, I am so in above my head right now. <laughs> I, like I'm just going to try to tread water, and keep up, and well, ask hopefully some halfway intelligent questions to give some useful information to people because you're speaking a language I just don't speak right now. And, and But that's what we bring them on for, right? Because right. we don't know this stuff. We're trying to learn from these people. We try to ask uh, questions to try to lead them down, but they're the star of the show. So we uh, let them on. We let them do their thing. And uh, Mr. Molesky did his thing, and uh, we'll touch that at the end of the show here. Um, did we you watch like any football? learn from people who are smarter than us, and thankfully that's a wide audience yeah. of people to pick oh, yeah. from. So it's yes, definitely. Yes, right. No. So, yes, football. Football, yeah. Wait, do both of our teams play today? Both of our teams play. And, and do both of play, play next Sunday? I think they do play each other next Sunday. So Monday we might a be a little bet. awkward for you and we I. We have a show bet? I think we might have to have a show bet. I'll have to figure that out. But, yeah, so the Steelers play uh, rescheduled for, like, their fourth game this year already. They're still undefeated somehow. But they've, uh, they're playing the Washington footballs. And they're, uh, they got a Monday night game tonight at 5 p.m. 
That's nice. Yeah, no. Make it a better reasonable yeah. hour. And then the Bills, what they got the Niners, right? 15 against the Niners. I do have a bet with a good friend of mine who's a 49er fan on that one already. Um, but as you should. I, yeah, like I don't I don't know. The, the Bills I think are good. The Steelers are obviously good. But the NFL is just weird. I mean, like the the Ravens, or not the Ravens, I apologize. The Raiders luckily by an act of God beat the winless Jets this week, and that's only like five weeks after beating the Chiefs, who seem invincible. Not, not even the biggest surprise of the the scoreboard. Did you no. see that? Did you see the New England score? I did see the, New the Chargers forty five to nothing. Where'd that come from? I, I think did you have the Patriots? Didn't you have the Patriots in the bottom five last week? Uh, they were on the fringe. They were, they, yeah, they, they were, were treading close. water. Yeah, so and they just. Be, I mean. Again, the, the Chargers aren't a world beaters, but I, I had touched on them a little bit. Thought they had some talent last week. Uh, they did not show up this week. So, um, special teams and defense. I, I mean, it was it was a huge one. Cam Newton ended the day like eight for twelve for sixty five yards or something ridiculous. But he ran for two touchdowns. I think he threw another one. That's Cam. And I mean, it was just what an odd way to win. And God bless the Chargers. I actually really like Anthony Lynn. I want him to be successful. He was an interim coach in Buffalo for a while when I was the season ticket holder. And he's he just seems like such a genuinely good guy and a capable coach. But my God, that organization cannot stop shooting itself in the foot this season. It's amazing. I mean, they've had. A, I think they've had a lot of injuries, and obviously, you know, that happens every year. And this year's a little different there, but. Um, still, I thought that score was surprising just because I had kind of given up on the Patriots. I didn't think they had 45 points in them. So um, the Chiefs got a tight win last night. They played the uh, Broncos. That was much closer than I think most people thought. It was a three-point game to the round of the stretch there. So I think people underestimate how good the Broncos' defense actually is. Yeah, listen, I, and obviously they got lock, they got locked back, so, and they, you know, they're 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 not a great team, but I think they have some pieces as well that they you know that on a given day, you know, the NFL has a bunch of players and you have a bunch of athletes out there and right. sometimes they make more plays than the other team, even if they're not as good. So And I um, think Drew Locke, similar to the nine year olds on my flag football team of stop throwing a ball thirty yards down the field. Check it down. Throw it away. Throw it to the running back. Just stop. You like if you look at all of his stats, they they touched on this last night. Everything is a down the field ball. Like Buddy, what are you looking at? That you think this is That's, a good idea? I think that is how football is going. To, I mean, I think the, the the way the Chiefs play right now, and clearly they have the weapons to do it. But that's how there's they're we're moving towards this, where there's just it's just big play after big play after big play. It's they're spreading big them out. Play is fine. I mean, you got to have the quarterback, and I'm not sure Locke is that guy. But I think that coaches, offensive coordinators specifically, are going to try to force the ball down the field as quickly as possible. So I, I expect more of that. It should be more exciting, right? I mean, more turnovers, more touchdowns, more big plays. That's all good. More pass interference. I mean, it's not flag football. I mean, that's not fun. Uh, it's because they're just incomplete every time. Uh, it's fun to watch. Listen, nine year old boys ever complete a pass. Oh yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, all the time actually. Okay, they, good. Because once I can break the habit of like flinging the ball. At one point, one of the kids on the team literally threw the ball to the end zone, and I looked at him and I said, "Who'd you throw that to?" And he goes, "I don't know." A good arm. <laughs> well, why should throw it? He goes. Because we needed a touchdown. Like, so maybe rules. So maybe we need to talk a little bit about, like, when you're throwing, it's important to throw it to someone. A and teammate. that's my oversight a as a coach. I yeah. missed that. Yeah. I thought we that was a given. Right. You thought they were on. Yeah, right. But so. I was wrong. And so we worked on that afterwards of, like, you never throw the ball to nobody. That's not a good. They don't allow you to blitz. There's no rushing the quarterback. You're never throwing the ball away in this league. Just hmm. make sure it's, you know, going to somebody on our team. Yeah, That would have been big. I mean, the Saints are 10-2, and they don't have a quarterback that can throw. I, listen, he, he threw the Hill. ball. 
He threw it this week. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a long-term believer. Admit no, it. he's maybe not the he guy. Might, but... Maybe, but I don't see it yet. Uh, now, are the Saints cracking the top five? Are they staying in there? Yeah, I got them at number three. Okay. Now, I actually updated my graphic to put Taysom Hill in there instead of Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara has been terrible. He was good yesterday. Well, he's all right. But, I mean, not, not, he hasn't not been, he hasn't been great Kamara's since the uh, switch from Drew Brees anyway. So, um, and a lot of that is just Hill runs the ball so much that he kind of takes away those opportunities from all those guys. So, right. um, but I do have the Saints at number three. I have moved the Packers up to number four from five last week. Mm-hmm. And another team making their debut in the Power Five this week. Want to take a guess? Another team. I was between the Bills and, the, and this other team, and I decided to use the, are you cheating? I can't see it. There's not on there. It's on there. It's on there? Yeah. Who's... That's not on oh, the five. I bet. The Browns. The, the Cleveland Browns. You have the Browns in your top five. Yeah. Bold. Nine and three. I, I know. They, they beat up on the Titans yesterday and beat them up. Like, I mean, I know the score was closer than that, but that first half, like, it could have been 50 to nothing. They beat them up and still only won by a touchdown. Uh, it was 45 to 21, I thought. It, what was the final score? Yeah, that's what I thought it was. No. No. It was, Listen, the game was over. It was 41 to 35. At the final score, and the literally the Titans were an onside kick away from having another shot. Listen, the Browns are nine and three. They were probably the team that people were trying to make happen last year, um, maybe the last couple of years. And it seems like they finally got it together. Um, I mean, they had some big plays and whatever, and they got ahead, so Henry couldn't be a factor, and they stopped him down. So um, I have them rounding out my uh, my five. I, I'm not much of a you know traditionally a Browns supporter of anything but i mean if they're ever going to be considered for anything this is the week i love the browns it's actually one i one of my favorite organizations in football i don't think they're a top five team i don't think that on any given sunday that you would expect them to beat 27 nfl teams so the 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 in consideration for the five the fifth spot were the bills okay so, and I just left them off because they just, I wanted to wait, see what happened tonight. Fair. So I was like, okay, I'll, w- I'll wait one week. All the other teams, I mean, the Titans were eight and three and they just, they said Lost they got beat the, by the Browns. Yeah, I got it. Um, I mean, there's just not that many other teams to pick from who I would consider elite. I mean, listen, I really think there's, you know, maybe there is only, only four teams and this fifth team has been rotating around here in my power five for about five weeks now. Um, but I don't know. This week, this is the Browns week, so I don't know. Fair. If the Bills, if the Bills had played and beat the Niners, I probably would have put the Bills in there. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a nod to the Browns because they probably won't be here ever again. So. All right, that's fair. I, I feel good for the Browns. Uh, well, man, I, I like I said, I don't think they're top five, but they are a very good team. They're definitely in the top ten. I mean, they're gonna be a playoffs. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, so are the Dolphins, but I don't think they're a top five team. Like yeah, no, it's the, the, the playoffs. I mean, at this point, you're talking that's top fourteen and. Unless you're counting the Giants, because they're not a 14 team, top 14 team, but they're going to go to the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. That was a good win for them. It was huge. I mean, wasn't expected, but no, it was amazing. Colt and McCoy coming out and getting it done, sort of. They won. Yeah. What's about the bottom? So the bottom, even for the Jets, this was amazing. That was Joe of all the ways to lose a game. <laughs> you give up a 40 yard touchdown pass with four seconds to go on an. Like a jailbreak blitz, trying to get the guy, and he just throws it over everybody, and they score. That was uh, listen, Jets fans. I'm sorry, that sucks. Well, they had to make sure they got the you know the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Oh well, I think they insured it. They fired Greg Williams today. Oh well, I, well they finally addressed the problem. About well. time. Now they'll win some games. Now they won't be zero and 
12 next week. Yeah, right. Uh, the second worst team in the NFL right now is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, if they get Joe Burrow back, they're out of the bottom five entirely. But without Joe Burrow, this is just not a good football team. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to compete. They're on the clock. Uh, the next worst team I have is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Same thing. I don't think there's a lot of debate to that. They are just not good. They had a good game this week, kept it nice and close, sent it to overtime against the Vikings, but I'm pretty sure that says more about the Vikings than it does the Jaguars. Um, they're they're not there, and they're not, they're not going to be anywhere this year. Build for next year. And then fourth and fifth place, I'm going to go in this order. I think it's the Eagles is the fourth worst team. Okay. It might be the Cowboys, but it's those two. I think the Cowboys are again. I'm going to stop you real quickly and just make sure that you didn't overlook the Chargers. No, I still think the Chargers. I mean, they're terrible. Listen, I mean, the Chargers have got two week. wins, right? All right, they happen. Every team has a bad. You week. should penalize them and just put them in the bottom five. I don't want to be reactionary. I actually think they they have so many close games. They're in every game. Like the same reason I won't put the Broncos in. The Broncos are like one-score games every single time, and they're not far away from fixing it. Uh, the Cowboys don't fit this mold. No. And the Eagles, I watched the Eagles play they're about bad. half that game yesterday. It's unwatchable. And I am particularly upset with the Philadelphia Eagles right now because I drafted Miles Sanders in more than one fantasy league, and this dude is costing me money. And I don't blame him. I actually love him. He's a tremendous talent. This offense is horrific, yeah. and I can't believe I wasted a top 10 pick on Miles Sanders in two different leagues, and I'm getting killed for it because they can't figure out how to run the football. Give him the ball. Stop letting Carson Wentz drop back 40 times a game. It ain't working. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue there. I mean, the Eagles have been really bad for almost the whole season. Their offense that, is unwatchable. Yeah, they're, just, they're, just, they're just terrible. So Watching Carson Wentz take a four, the three-step drop, maybe a five-step drop, hits the plan foot, count to one, count to two, and that dude is running. He is out, and some of it's legit, and some of it is he's seeing ghosts, and he is out. There's no stepping up in the pocket. There's no maneuvering. It is panic. Well, I've been playing a lot of defenses against the Eagles' offensive line this year, so it's been worked out all right. I me. Listen, they, they take some of the blame, but so does he. Like, you can't, oh, no. and yeah. so does the play calling. For the love of God, throw a screen pass. Yeah, I, got to, I can't imagine that they're going to run with the same crew going into 2021 next year. So Something's got to change. Yep, nope. I mean, it was another good week in NFL. Um, so we had some exciting news here in the uh, upstate New York region. I, I remember texting you. You did not uh, realize it at the time, but we had a meteor explode over uh, Syracuse pretty much right over us. Yep. Right around noontime. Uh, what was this on Wednesday or Thursday? I figure it was like last week. I don't know. Some, I don't know. Maybe it was even after that. But anyway, right in the middle of the afternoon, yeah. all of a sudden my house started shaking. My dogs went bonkers. And I was sure a tree fell on my house. I walked outside and there was nothing. Just calm as can be. I looked around. There was nothing going. I felt like a truck had hit my house. It's amazing. Um, nothing. I, I didn't think anything of it after that. I was like, okay, well, I guess anyway, I wasn't, I didn't imagine it because me and my girlfriend were both looking around and my dogs went crazy. It, it happened. Something happened. Sure. And a few minutes later, I start hearing people commenting of whether or not they heard the boom, and immediately I was like, okay, this has to be a meteor. Um, and lo and behold, there it was. We had a, uh, uh, what some are saying, a million-year-old meteor that uh, made its way through our atmosphere and kind of exploded right over uh, our little hometown here. Yeah, I, um, I did not feel it. My wife felt it. At the time, my wife was upstairs. I was downstairs. 
And all of a sudden, she starts yelling, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm going, are you talking to me? She's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. She's like, what happened? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean, what happened? She's like, the house just shook. Did you, like, fall off a ladder? I was like, what do you think I'm doing down here? No. no. Although, admittedly, that's always at least a probably 20% chance I am on a ladder randomly for some reason. Man, if you can fall off a ladder and shake the house, that's some pretty I don't know what she's ladder. saying about my physique either, but that can't be complimentary. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I just said, I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. But apparently it shook the windows, the dogs were barking, and she thought I like fell through a wall, and I'm downstairs having absolutely no idea what she's talking about. So that was an interesting take. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't, you know, this is not something that happens all that often. Like I said, it was so loud and I mean, it, there, there was no way that it was nothing. Like there was, people were like, oh, it must've been thunder. I'm like, this was not thunder. Like this right. was, this was something immediately you could tell something had happened. So, uh, super interesting. I'm going to try to pull up the uh, video. If you guys haven't seen it, there's a, um, um, a dog sledder who, I can't remember where she was. Maybe she's in Buffalo. Do you remember where the dog she's was? She's in Buffalo. Yeah, she's okay. right next to the throughway. I've driven that. I've driven where she is countless times. And so uh, she is out mushing the dogs, and uh, all of a sudden, over the, if it, I'll let you know ahead of time. You keep looking the uh, from her perspective over your left, your left side over the dogs. You're going to come from from the left and shoot in the same direction as the dogs that are going. So as you're watching this video, you'll notice that it comes in. Um, just across the, the, the upper left-hand part of the screen here. So let me see if I can play this for you guys. And if you look up in the upper left-hand part, you'll see a flash, right? Did you get it? Ask me in like 15 seconds because I can see it on my monitor then. Try to pause it on there. If you can. But anyway, it comes, you know, there's a there's a flash of light that comes through, um, and obviously the the boom was was loud. You can see that she kind of picks it up ahead of time because then it just barely shows. Um, you know, see that flash right there. So um, anyway, super cool thing that happened here locally. Uh, obviously, got a a bunch of people. Uh, uh, confused and scared, I bet, in some points. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. I agree. I thought it was cool, the sonic boom. I mean, I'm glad it didn't hit us. And, you, know. you and I both. Maybe we should find that. Find the meteor? Yeah. Good luck. I'm out. Um, but meteors, uh, like there was a the, the Harvard professor whose name I'm, escapes me right now, makes a claim that uh, aliens actually will travel via like the trail on a lot of these comets and meteors, and that's one of the ways they use uh, interstellar travel. That's impossible. What? That's impossible. Why? Didn't you listen to Ben Davidson in episode 12? No. Okay. You did. I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, I listened to him, but I don't remember this discussion about... I, I don't think meteors could, uh, or uh, aliens could be trailing in on a, on a meteor coma, but uh, whatever. Maybe, I listen, maybe they I have that te- technology, know you know, who knows? I won't pretend to know enough about aliens, meteors, comets, interstellar travel, outer space... Or the technological advances of alien civilizations to comment intelligently on this. But I'm going to assume the guy at Harvard who studies this for his life probably knows a little more than me. So I won't rule anything out. What about Jeffrey Epstein's island? You know anything about that? I know a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein's island. Did you see that Bill Clinton's uh, former top aide, Doug Band, kind of did a tell-all with Vanity Fair and uh, basically said, Hey, uh, Bill Clinton, one of the few times that I wasn't with him was when he was at Epstein's island. 
And you know, I don't know if you, I mean, this is just cause I'm a dork. I happen to look through, um, I think there's like a, I don't know, maybe it's even like a Pulitzer Prize winning photo of Bill and Hillary Clinton in the U.S. Virgin Islands, like that week, like there's there's legitimately like a picture showing that they're on the they're in the Virgin Islands for sure, and then that's the same like things like early January, and that's the same week where uh, Doug Band says that he was over at Epstein's Island. So there's a lot of uh, circumstantial evidence pointing to the fact that uh, much to his, you know, he's been telling us the whole time that that's not true, but there seems to be a lot of uh, smoking uh, evidence there that he visited that island. So there's at least. Three eyewitnesses who have placed him on the island. Uh, there are flight logs which seem to indicate that he has gone to that island. And now there's this gentleman who was a Clinton confidant for 15 years. His his personal aide after he was done with the presidency. Uh, if you don't believe that Bill Clinton went to Epstein Island multiple times it is simply because you don't want it to be true right now i, I could be wrong yeah and, and none of these people have actually alleged any wrongdoing by him just that he's been on the island but he has been steadfast saying i never was on that island so right. i think that's absurd at this point and the reality is if you're going to an island owned by the world's most renowned pedophile and sex trafficker is there any way to go there with it not being wrong Exactly. Is there any way for it to not be wrongdoing just by going like, and there's been multiple games of him with, with girls on the Island and everything else. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's not a good way of having that be your thing, but again, like the evidence overwhelmingly would indicate, yeah, he's been there. So if, if you choose to ignore that, or you think like looking at all of the evidence, you still somehow conclude, nah, it's probably more likely that he didn't go. That's because you like him. Uh, there's, it's not an objective analysis at this point. That's yeah. that's pretty overwhelming evidence. Yeah, and there's, and I've been trying to find this article, and I I know it's out there someplace, and I'm going to find it when I do. I'll make sure I bring it and share it everybody. But Thanks. there's a, there's information out there that um, a U.S. Navy ship crashed on some rocks, unfamiliar with the waters outside of that island, and that they were there patrolling Clinton's trip from the mainland to. Epstein's Island, and then as they were coming back, they were in uncharted waters and hit some rocks, and one of the people on this boat had died. So there has to be information of this out here, and I'm going to continue to look for it. Um, again, it would just be one more bit of corroborating evidence that seems to shed the idea that he's been on that island. So again, I don't think anybody who uh, has been paying attention to this thinks that he wasn't on that island, unless, again, you just don't want to. So Right. Um, hey, that's okay. Like We all have our biases and our blockets. That's fine. It, it happens. But this one seems pretty cut and dry. Um, yeah. And it's, I, it's awful. Yeah. There's, there's not a way to spin that. I mean, my guess is he'll be dead before it all comes out because they'll just figure out how to make that all play out right. So, um, Dude's vegan now. He's living forever. <laughs> did you uh, happen to see the... Uh, Max Public House, the Staten Island bar that refused Cuomo's and de Blasio's orders to shut down, stayed open, and their owner got arrested? I Twice. saw that he was arrested. Twice now. So he got arrested the first time, they let him out, came back, reopened. Uh, I haven't seen any video of this, so I'm not really sure what the hitting of the officer is, but it's alleged that he hit a officer with his car as he was leaving the restaurant as they were trying to arrest him. Um, again, I'm assuming there's video of that someplace and eventually it'll come out, but, um, a lot still going on at that bar. I mean, they're trying to fight for their business. They're trying to fight for everybody's business. I feel like a little bit, 
Um, and they said the people have been supportive there. They've been going in, they've been, uh, doing what they can to support the business, uh, through all these, uh, rules and orders that have uh, limited their services. You know, I'm not telling you anybody should be running over anybody. Um, but I don't feel bad that they should be standing up for their business at this point. I, I, you know, I, I, I commend their, 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 their ability to, to, be this courageous and standing up and knowing that they're just going to get fined and arrested every single time they do something. Yeah. I listen, I, I actually agree with that. I, I look at this from the standpoint of they, the guys that own this restaurant and people that own other restaurants, other businesses that are being affected by this, their livelihood is being taken away. Their income is being taken away. They are being left to sent into poverty. The people that work at these restaurants, the employees, forget the owners, they're going to have the same problem. So you're sending these people into poverty and you're doing it under the guise of, well, we're just trying to protect people. Well, okay, great. But the problem is you're not protecting anybody. And look, same thing of if you want to tell me that shutting down restaurants is going to block the spread of COVID. Okay. Now you could point out like, well, look at how this state is doing or that state is doing when they do that again. Okay. But if you look at the big picture, like the United States are having cases spike right now, like all over the country, cases are going up. And now let's assume it has nothing to do with the PCR tests or cycle thresholds. Just for a minute, let's assume that they are all low cycle thresholds, actual real cases of COVID-19. Fine. If you look through the states that are leading the spike in cases, you want to know what states you're going to find on there? California, New York, Texas, Florida, Illinois, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, North Dakota, all these states that are having different levels of response. Now, California, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois have been very proactive, have been very broad in their measures, limiting dining, masks on everybody, nobody go out, shut everything down, we're going to knock this thing out. And then you have Florida, Texas, South Dakota, which have been much more of a, hey guys, be safe, be smart. Don't be idiotic, but their their approach has been much more um, specific, much more tailored, not broad measures. And so I think that what if you look at all of this, the takeaway is not, well, the states that didn't do anything at all are really stopping the virus. No, they're not. The virus is spreading. The problem is the states that are doing these broad measures, shutting down these restaurants, mandating masks on everybody, are also not stopping the virus. So it's not a question They're of not one masking way. hard enough. What's that? They're not masking hard enough. I think we got to wear two masks. It's the only le- reasonable answer that we can draw now. And Ear- earmuffs, earmuffs, goggles. Did you see like the giant body mask that, that they have now? The pods. It's yeah. the funniest thing in the world. Anyways, um, all of this comes together to say, look, you have to acknowledge at some point it's not working. Like all of these rules that we have here are not stopping anything. Now, if there was no negative effects to these rules, I wouldn't really care. But there are. You are sending people into poverty. You are causing more harm and doing absolutely no good. And people just sit there and go, well, we're going to get locked down again because these idiots won't wear masks. Like, no, no, that's not how this works at all. I'm sorry, but this is the equivalent of like, well, we can't get rain because Joe wouldn't partake in the rain dance and now the gods are angry. It's the same logic. Like, no, that's not how this works, and we know it. It's not that. And look, I, again, I have no overwhelming objection to wearing a mask. My fear with masks all along has been we're going to get to this point where it's going to give the politicians the out, and people are going to start blaming it on, well, we can lock down because you guys just wouldn't wear masks. It's not backed up by any data. Even when masks were first introduced, let's, let's go back to the time when they said, CDC said no masks. Okay, fine. Then they came out and said masks. And some people were skeptical. 
And they said, even at that time, look, it's not going to make a huge difference, but it's a little bit safer, and it's really no downside. So let's wear masks, because it might help a little. It might help a little. We have gone in, what has it been, six months, five months? It was in April or May when they did this, so let's go five months. In six months, we have gone from, they might help a little, and there's not a high cost to them, to... Not wearing masks is causing the spread of COVID. What? Seems to be a disconnect. I, th- that was never what they were claimed to be. This is never. This was never the claim that they were going to stop the spread. No, it was like a small increase in a small price to pay, so let's just wear masks. Which, okay, fine, but now people have morphed this into their mind into somehow like, well, the reason COVID is spreading is that people are not wearing masks. Really, in New York State, the one person out of 10 not wearing a mask is the reason we're seeing this spread. And the reason that it's exactly the same as Florida, where best case scenario, five out of 10 people are wearing masks in public, and I'm being generous at that number, they're having the same spread. But somehow you still conclude that masks are the difference? Or restaurants where they're fully open in Florida? My brother-in-law in Florida and I talk regularly. It's the funniest conversation and the saddest conversation. He goes, listen, I listen to your show. I listen to what you guys talk about. And I have no idea what you're talking about because none of that is true for me down here. It's a here. different world. Right. And there's the thing. It's not, like virus, it's not like Florida has no cases. They absolutely do. So do we. Uh, Guys, we're looking at the exact same spread in both of these areas, one with massive restrictions, one with none. Look at South Dakota and North Dakota. It's probably the best example because they have very similar, no population density difference, no, no real major differences. They share a border. They're very close. They both saw the same spike. North Dakota locks down mass on everybody. South Dakota stayed with the plan of... Just be smart. We're not going to make you do anything else. We're not shutting businesses down. We're not going to make you wear masks. Just be smart. They took the exact same curve, and if anything, South Dakota saw a little bit better results. So, again, I'm not saying that not locking down is is the answer to stopping the spread. I'm saying that locking down doesn't stop the spread. Masks are not stopping community spread. Masks only are helpful in very specific circumstances where they should be worn. The basic way to fight this virus has been known from day one. Wash your hands a lot. Give people a normal, respectable social distance. And the most important thing, if you are sick at all, stay home. Don't go in public. Don't have people over to your house. If you are sick and wear a mask on, you are still going to spread the virus. Yeah, it's that's, not. That's my biggest anything. concern. The whole thing is that people think the masks are actually really helping people who may be vulnerable, right? And they're putting themselves. And they're like, okay, well, at least we have the mask on. It, it's not helping, and no. you're putting that person or persons in more harm's way with this false sense of security by having this mask on. It's not going to protect them the way that. It's being perceived, and it's it can be dangerous for those people, much more than me or you talking about how uh, you know not wearing them is, is dangerous. There's there's probably more danger with people who are vulnerable wearing the mask in situations that they shouldn't be. Right, and it, it gives people this false sense of security that they can go and do these things that they shouldn't do. Like, look, same, it's a security blanket at this point too for a lot of these people. Yeah, it is, and it's a at 36 years of age and perfectly fine health. I wouldn't, I don't want to jump all that great health, but but pretty good health. I am not overly worried about this. And if I wear a mask and go out to dinner and sit in a enclosed space, okay, fine. Listen, the reality is with or without a mask in that situation, if somebody has a cough or somebody actually is pre-symptomatic for COVID, pretty good chance I'm getting it. And that's okay. That's a risk I am willing to accept at my age and health. If you're 85 years old and you want to go out to dinner at some cramped little restaurant with bad circulation and airflow, 
even if they're at half capacity and you wear a mask the entire time. That's a bad idea. You have to understand the risk of that mask is probably going to block 1% of the virus that's being transposed. The masks have always, the claim has been the same. They block the transmission of droplets for a period of time that that exit your mouth. They do not block aerosols. This virus spreads via aerosols. The masks don't even block all of the droplets, which are much larger than the aerosol spread. Yeah, and the droplets don't remain in the mask at all times either. They, of course They not. can be expelled with each inhale or exhale if they hit it right. Right. And that's, so it's temporary blocking. So masks make sense. If you, if you are sick and you physically, it's not at all in the realm of reality for you to avoid somebody and you have to be near them for a short period of time, put a mask on. That makes total sense, and that's good health. That's good sense. That's good reason. That's good science. The idea of walking down the street wearing a mask and then yelling at people who aren't is the dumbest thing I have ever seen. It is. Look, you don't got to believe me. Go look up the studies on this. I keep having people send. I've talked about this before. They send me these uh, seventy studies that show masks work. Like, right? Show me the one that says anything other than masks will block the uh, will reduce the number of droplets for a temporary period of time. I concede that point, and I don't know why we needed 70 studies to establish that. It's the, but you're looking, again, it's this myopic view of the problem, of you're just looking at this one little part, and all you have to do is step back and look at the big picture, and you would recognize, oh, well, you know what? I am going to wear a mask because I want that extra 1% of protection, and I, and I really want to make sure I'm doing it. But maybe I don't need to scream and belittle and blame the guy not wearing the mask for all of the spread of COVID-19, because we know now it's not what's causing it. No. It's And the masks definitely are preventing it. The lockdowns aren't preventing it. None of this, the, the idea that we could. None of this has ever worked in history. Yeah, It's 100 years of epidemiological research that said you don't quarantine people with, with potential exposures who are asymptomatic, and you don't lock anything down and shut down businesses because the cost would be so astronomically high that it could never be worth it, and the effect would be so low, you can't stop it. So we knew we, all that for a hundred months years. ago. We knew and that we for just, we just years. Threw, we just threw it out, right? And then China locked down their one province, and the rest of the world went, "Huh, let's do that. Let's try it. Let's give that a run." And it's like this grand experiment with human lives that is awful. That there was no reason to believe it would work. And yes, I understand. And uh, what is it? New Zealand. They did this, and they're having this great success. All right, great. First of all, they're in the summer, right? It's the opposite season. It's an island with a population that is one-thirtieth of ours with ha- no cultural diversity. I shouldn't say no cultural diversity. Minimal. Less cultural diversity than what we have here. The idea that you could take that plan and make it work across the entirety of the United States of America is, I don't want to be mean, is not based in sound logic, past experience, or common sense. Yeah, like on the surface, I could see why people would think it would work. But like if you just look at it, it doesn't it work. So We've had months of this to find out, and, and that's the thing of, look, uh, yes, doing nothing, the virus will spread. The problem is it's spreading just as much when you shut down businesses, when you restrict yeah. people, when you have stay-at-home orders, in more cases than not. Now, listen, you want to talk about New Zealand, Australia, South Korea, uh, Indonesia – there are other differences in these. There are other factors that should be considered because they are probably more likely 
to be the reason that they're having these different results. The pre-existing immunity thing with T-cell immunity varies country to country, but there's a rough correlation of the farther you get away from Asia, the lower the population of T-cell immunity is, at least pre-existing wise, whereas in Asia and nearby, it tends to be much higher prevalence. Now, it's not an exact one for one, but it's a rough correlation. If you don't think that plays a role, you're nuts. And I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, you know, a lot of these countries in Asia, Indonesia, and in, in these places, they still treat with hydroxychloroquine. wonder why they're having such lower death counts. And some of it is, I, this is a little bit elitist to say, and I apologize for it in advance, but we live in a first world country where we have unhealthy old people. We, you can be unhealthy and live to 90 in this country because of the state of our medicine. These countries uh, that are not at that same level, these third world countries in Africa, South America, Latin America, into Asia, um, it's, it's different. If you make it to 85 in that country, imagine what your immune system must be. Like you can't flush toilet paper in some of these countries. You can't drink the water that comes through the pipes in these countries. And they don't have nearly the medication that we have here. You can't be five foot 11, 400 pounds, take metformin once a day and make it to 90 in these countries. It's not reality. So yeah, there's so many apples to walnuts comparisons going on right now that I can't wrap my brain around it. And it's just cherry picking data that supports your point and then ignoring anything that did that that undervalues it this is the opposite of science this is cheerleading yeah. like i said i'm i'm fearful now that the governments have just gotten out of con- it's out of control out of their control and they don't know how to stop it they don't know how to bring it in they don't even know where, where to begin to do this and I, you know i would immediately st- start by stop mass pcr testing and go from there um, stop asymptomatic testing is for be sure the first thing for sure. you should do that's um, that's common sense but so i but I don't, again, I, I don't know that even given with that, if they tried that and given new information, if anybody else would even care, like I said, it seems like they don't, they're blind to new information anyway, and they're going to write it out no matter what. You made a very good point. I think it was on Facebook. It might've been Twitter. I don't know. I, I probably listened to you too much, um, but it was uh, the Milgram experiment of, uh, for anybody that doesn't know this, that this was a study that was done back in the 1950s and it's been repeated several times. And in essence, it was a study to find our obedience to authority, to see just how far we would go. So the premise was they brought in a test subject. They met the person they were going to be working with. It was a question answer under the pretext of we're trying to f- establish correlation between pain and accuracy and answers. So we're going to give somebody an electric shock in the other room for every wrong answer, but you can hear them. So the study went through that they started with a very low dose of electric shock that they gave the person who administering the test so they could feel it. And then it went all the way up to like 300 hertz, I think was what it was, which is exceedingly painful. And then all the way up to 450, which was lethal. And they just said every wrong answer, give them a, give them a shock and they go and they keep increasing. And that person who's the test subject, who's the, the, the teacher, if you will, is giving these shocks, and then they can hear the person on the other end screaming in pain. Now, it's an actor. It's somebody that's not really getting the shock, but they're screaming in pain as if they just got hit with these right. massive... And telling them no more. And I can't stop. take this. Right, right. I can't take it. Please stop. And they would turn to the... Those who did would turn to the administrator of the test who was just a guy in a lab coat. And, and he had a clipboard, and he was in a lab coat. And they would say, hey, I, I don't feel right about this. And all it took was for the administrator of the test to say, you must continue. 
the study requires that you continue, and I am responsible for this. Those three sentences from a guy in a lab coat, two out of three people administered the lethal dose of electricity to the person on the other end. Two out of three. Issued such a large burst of electricity that it would have killed the person if it had been real. Two out of three people killed another human being simply because a person in a lab coat said, I'm responsible, not you. And every single test subject went past 300, which is warning of incredibly painful, and it said it right on the thing, incredibly painful. Every single participant, just because the guy in the lab coat said, do it, they did it. Right, and this is, you know, this is something that I've been, you know, trying to relate to our local politicians who have to see the damage that's being done. They have to hear the screaming, right? They, they, they hear the screaming. There's no way they don't. And yet they just continue to double down on these measures and these restrictions just because the guy in Albany says so. And, well, you know, at some point, you know, th- there's we're, we're not even getting uh, one out of three standing up like it's nine out of ten who are just laying down and administering that that fatal shock right now. And it's there's two points I want to make. Number one is those of you listening, you, me, everybody else, we all want to think we're the one out of three or we would have been the exception, but that's not true. Like we are no better than this. And if we're not aware, odds are one of us would have. Absolutely. Like there's no question. One of us would have administered the fatal dose and we both would have administered the 300 Hertz dose. Like without knowing about it in advance and being aware that we are all wired this way, we should be at least cognizant of this. So don't think that you're somehow above this or you would be the difference. Here's my question for you. You know, Business shutdowns are sending people into poverty, causing deaths, causing all this problem. Have you bothered to read a study? Or are you just trusting that the scientist at the top who says we need to do this is right? And therefore, it must continue. Which one? Because if you're not looking, if you look at everything and still decide this is what's right, okay, fine. I disagree with you, but okay. If you're doing it just because, or if you're supporting these measures just because somebody with doctor in front of their name and wears a lab coat on TV said so, how is it different? You're infl- you are knowingly okay with inflicting pain because ultimately you're not responsible. They are. And that's it. So you'll, you'll stand by and let it happen. Look at it. Listen, we have all the information out there. Look at it. And this is where I keep sharing all of this because I'm hoping people start to realize, like, hey, we're not doing any good here. Second point I want to make. The reason that the politicians can't, can't look at any of this data at this point is because if they do, then they're responsible. Right now, they are not responsible for it. It's the virus's fault. So they don't have to feel like they're bearing any responsibility for this because they're fighting a virus, and this is just the the cost that has to occur as a result. As soon as they acknowledge the PCR tests are flawed, the lockdowns are having no positive impact, and the... um, all the travel restrictions and everything else, stay-at-home orders, are not having any impact. Now they have to actually bear responsibility for what they have done. And they can't. I would like to just one, just somebody stand up and be like, I got it wrong. You know, I did this for whatever months, weeks it was. I had information. I looked at it. I, I just don't see it ever happening. I don't see, I don't see anybody who has the ability or the intestinal fortitude to be wrong in public and try to do a mea culpa, that person would be cheered by the majority of the people. And like I said, it, it, being, you know, not just following just to, it seems as these, again, it seems that these politicians are just down the road so far that maybe they think they can't turn around and go back or they don't want to suffer the consequences if they do, but somebody has got to do it. And I, I don't even know 
I don't know where it's where it starts, but it's gonna. I feel like it, either it's gonna be a mass protest from people, or there's going to be some group of politicians that are gonna stand up and say enough is enough, and we're we're not doing this anymore. And I don't I don't know which one comes first, but one of them has to happen. I have no faith whatsoever in politicians. Me neither. And I listen. No disrespect to the politicians in my family or the ones that I'm friends with. I love all of you, but politicians are essentially like the worst among us when it comes to stuff like this. Everything in politics is CYA, and that's been known forever. Fine. How many of them are genuinely noble and trying to do the right thing and just uncorruptible? The answer is about zero. They all just have different levels. I think the only way this stops is I have more faith in the people as a whole than I do in politicians. I have much more faith and I believe in the will of the people, but I do think ultimately it's a, you have to keep spreading this message. You have to keep fighting the bad information with good information, or at least with complete information of there's so much more nuance to this than anybody wants to think. Now I I get accused of being anti-mask all the time, but I keep saying like, look, nothing could be further from the truth. I don't care. I think masks are stupid but I'll wear one. That means you it. care. I almost slipped. Uh, I'll do it. And that's fine. I like, I don't, I do care because I know it's dumb, but I will comply with this rule because fine. There's some data to indicate it might be helpful. And ultimately I have too much stuff to do. I can't sit here and fight this battle with you. I'm not telling anybody else to not wear a mask, but if you're going to tell me that wearing a mask, when you go down to Lowe's and walk around is the reason that we're not having virus spread. There is no data to back that up. None. The most generous, generous examples that you could give would not conclude that. But people don't want to hear that. We have divided into teams, and now this is where you are. Look, go and do the research because the more times you spread this, this isn't going to stop until people stop tolerating it. You get what you accept in this world. And right now, we the people are accepting these rules and these dictates from our elected leaders, and they're wrong. They are wrong. This is not okay. These are having very severe impacts. Even something minor as mass. I can tell you right now, it's not a conscious decision. I have gone out to dinner with my wife and or children, even before it was illegal, way less this year. And everything is less convenient because the mask is on, because I forget it or whatever else. And I don't know that it's a direct correlation. I just, I know I've gone out, I've frequented restaurants way less often this year than I ever have. Yeah, it's because going out used to be fun and now it's a task, right? So like there's, you got to check all this checklist and make sure you, you know, whatever to just to go out to dinner. So, or to go shopping. I don't, I don't shop at as many stores as I, I don't do the stopping anymore because unless I'm, if I'm driving like my kids to school or, or someplace where I don't have to get out of the car, I usually don't have a mask with me. So then when I drive by, it's, oh, I'll, I'll go there later. And I don't. I end up ordering it online later that day from Amazon or Walmart or some other big box store. And it's, I, do I feel bad? Yes. If I Do I try to change that up where I can? Sure. But please understand, I'm not the problem with putting these small businesses out of out of business. That's yeah, not listen, on mar- me. Markets are markets. So you're going right. you know, to spend your money where you need to spend the money. The problem the is, that you need. is our dearly elected leaders establishing these rules and making it so impossible that my little bit of a difference might help a little, but don't ignore the sins of the people that are setting the rules and blame the individuals that are shopping at wherever they can to get the stuff that they need. Let's, let's not pretend for a minute that that's, that's who is to blame here. And if you are not, I don't listen, indifference is fine. If you are, if you are of the mindset to blame or accept more shutdowns and then blame people not wearing masks, I'm sorry, but you are part of the problem. 
And I, I feel almost guilty saying that, but you should not be doing this. This is wrong. People, the politicians that are doing this, rely on people like you not figuring out the information, not taking the time to actually look at it or be more specific and nuanced with it to say, oh, wait a minute, yeah, masks can help here, but there's no way that the Texas, Florida, New York, and California would all be seeing the same exact spread of the virus if the masks were working. There would be some predictable distinction between the states that have mask mandates and 90% plus compliance and the states that don't have any mask mandates and have at best 40 to 50% compliance. There would be a difference. The fact that there is not is a telling indicator that they are not working. Yeah. And like I said, I, going back to the, the people or the politicians, who's going to get us out of this? You're the probably people. right that it's going to be the people that's also going to come with, you know, incidents like Max Public House, right? Where the, they're, they're putting up against the law enforcement. But if politicians can do it, they can have the, the law enforcement stand down and not put these people through additional torment on top of the life-destructing poverty that they're getting forced into by their government, then getting arrested on top of that. So if the politicians would just be courageous and be brave and stand up and do something, then they wouldn't put the people, their people, the people that they're elected to represent in additional harm's way on top of that. So I think the will of the people has to change first, then the politicians will start to change and then the rule, but it's, it starts with the people because if the, if right now, if lockdowns, masks and all this other stuff are popular, the politicians are just going to go along with it. It's not until enough people start speaking up and saying, stop sending people into poverty. We are killing people with this. Stop shutting everything down. I don't want hospitals to be overwhelmed. I don't want doctors and nurses to be exhausted from treating COVID patients. I don't want any of those things to be true. But the idea that the lockdown of the mask is preventing that is not backed up by data. It is a false flag that you are looking at to try to draw a correlation. You're trying to draw causation where there's not even correlation. There is no drop in these cases in the areas that have all these rules versus the ones that don't. So what are we doing? When I tell you that we shouldn't lock down and that mask mandates are dumb, I'm not praying that the virus wins. I don't want the virus to win. I just don't. I want us to stop inflicting harm on people. I want us to stop creating greater problems by by genuinely harming other human beings out of fear and out of the desire to think that we can control this better than we actually can. That's it. So, I mean, it's going to start by we got to change the will of the people and then maybe we got to elect new people into office. But there might be some concerns on the security around the elections. Did you see the transition? You're welcome. You're good. I'm so proud of myself right now. So I would send that up for like five minutes in okay. my head. That's the extent of my accomplishments today, by Excellent. the way, because you're an example of how good I am. When, when we we've ruined it all now because you called it out. It's like telling Shut the punch, up. It's like calling the punchline of the joke. Do me a favor. Edit this part out, <laughs> would you? So... Let's shift to the elections just quickly so we can get into this interview. Um, the, the one thing I want to talk about just quickly here before we get into uh, Gary Malefsky um, is Georgia, right? So we had this video show up, um, this basically in-house closed-circuit TV for the arena that the elections were being held at in Fulton County, I think it is. Yes. Um, and there's this controversy surrounding this table uh, with four crates of ballots that are pulled out and moved after the room where the counting was taking place had ceased, right? So there was this uh, 10 o'clock, uh, uh, there was this uh, word that they were stopped counting and that uh, the press and the uh, 
at least the Republican observers left the, the counting room under the impression that they were stopped. They had stopped counting. Uh, they didn't stop counting. The video showed that basically at 1030, they immediately began start counting again and counted all the way until one in the morning. Um, at one point around 1030, 11 o'clock, it looks like there are four containers of ballots that look like, you know, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on there, but what else would they be? And they're brought over to the counting stations. Now there's been, I've heard that they were empty, which I don't believe because they got dragged across the floor by multiple people. And it doesn't look like they're, they're, they're lightweight. So, or they look like they were heavy. Um, I don't think that's the right answer. I, I know Ben, you had said that they, uh, thought that they were pre-counted ballots. Is that the uh, thing that you had so the official story from the investigators at the Secretary of State in Georgia was that the, the the table was set up and then there was two different groups. One was just there to open ballots and then another group was there to put the ballots through the machine and count them. So they said that the ballots that had been placed under the table had been opened previously and just put there for storage at around, uh, I think they said 10 a.m. on the okay. uh, You can see it on the video. I haven't okay. checked this against okay. the videotape. Uh, they also said that the nobody at the Fulton election office or the ballot counting place told anybody to leave, that the people just voluntarily left. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a hard time getting to that. That uh, you're telling me that simultaneously, with no direction from the people at the polling place, all the media members and the Republican oversight people just decided to leave. Must have been a happy hour. I like. Come on, I, I, I'm on board for like believing a plausible explanation. Yeah, and, and you know, and the whole thing is whether or not they're counting until one in the morning. They should have been counting until one in the morning anyway. Like I don't know why they even stopped. Obviously, right? So like the question of is why would they even signal that they were stopping? Because it seemed as though everybody was under the impression that they were stopping counting, but clearly they had no intention of stopping counting. No, so like, um, that's just again, I, I don't want to get in too much because we talk about it in the interview here, but. Um, that was the one thing when, when, you know, I was like, okay, this is the first piece of information here. I'm like, okay, this actually seems like it could be legit. Um, I don't know anything about how you're ever going to determine whether or not a vote was switched or sliced, um, as Mr. Molesky calls it, in, in these machines without a forensic investigation from right. some computer genius. Um, but the ballot things, you know, if there's in, in Molesky, you know, basically insinuates that there's multiple levels of, of, election rigging going on uh one of them was with through the, the paper ballots and one through the dominion software um you know we're never going to know about the dominion software and again until some computer guy tells us about it but the ballot things like you can you kind of understand how that works and you could see how that why would they be if if you know it seems as though there was some kind of shady stuff going on so they could count votes without anybody being there yeah and i i understand georgia election law does not require that observers from both parties be present. That's fine. I, I have no real argument with that. If it still doesn't seem a little weird to you, though, that it, simultaneously the Republican observers left, along with the media and the press and everybody except for four counters. That was all that was left. And why? Like, okay, fine, it's not illegal. It still it's seems just weird. Yeah, it's like, it just seems off. And I... I, we talk about this a little bit in the interview of like, look, I, I don't understand half of this stuff. And like most people, I I don't I don't want to think that there is widespread election fraud. I think I'm more comfortable thinking that there's just the normal little minor levels that we see in every election. Uh, it's it's a far more comfortable place for me to be in as a as an American. Um, 
at the same time, listen, there's some stuff here that that does not add up. There there are things about what we saw in this election that I'd be lying if I said they were normal. Of uh, you had Joe Biden who couldn't get a hundred people to a rally, got eighty million votes. All right, I mean, listen, that's fine. It's just you have to acknowledge it's unexpected. Right, and, and like I said, and that's why we brought that's why I brought Mr. Molesky on. Right, so I. When this first started, you know, a couple of days after the election, I, I've known Mr. Well, not known, but I've I've been aware of uh, Gary Molesky for a few years. Um, I watched him speak at an event. Um, uh, I don't know, 2016, I think it was. And got gotcha, you cool, yeah. And uh, I wanted to kind of see where he came down on this without contacting him. At first, I just started following him a little bit on social media posts, uh, seeing what he was writing about, and he definitely had some concerns. So um, I see he did an interview recently for uh, something. There it was very uh, buttoned down, very calm, very uh, professional type interview. Sure, that is not what we got. No, we I got think that. we got the raw Gary Malevsky. Uh, the tie was off. The tie was off. The leather jacket was on, and he was uh, he was raring to go. So, um, haymakers were thrown. Haymakers are thrown. Uh, listen, I. Some of you are going to listen to this and you're going to want to immediately dismiss this as he's like a Trump guy or he's whatever else, and this is all crazy. I'm going to say the same thing I say whenever somebody smarter than me says something that sounds crazy of, okay, there's, there's probably a reason behind what you're saying. So let me hear more. Let, let me hear more about it. And I ultimately keep asking myself this question of, okay, what do I know about cybersecurity, about elections, about ballot machines, about algorithms or any of this stuff that I feel qualified to tell you that you are just flat out wrong and without any base in reality. Not much. No, that doesn't mean he's right either. Like, I'm, I'm not telling you that you right. should just shut up and listen because he knows more than you and we need to trust the experts. Yeah, I promise you our Man, interview was not, was not us uh, grilling him on forensics of the computer code. So no, we, were we, just le- we were setting him up to kind of get his opinion on this. Um, like I said, he's spent his life, uh, you know, doing cybersecurity. He was part of the team that went to Iraq to set up their elections uh, after, uh, you know, we overthrew their government. Um, the Purple Thumbs, right? You guys all remember the Purple Thumbs? Sure. So we talk about that in the in the, uh, in the interview here. So um, listen to what he has to say. Yeah. And look, if nothing else, let that be the catalyst to go and do more research. I am of the opinion that always says it's if you're going to allege wrongdoing, the burden of proof is on you. I can't. I never ask anybody to prove a negative. You're not going to be able to prove definitively there was no election fraud, but it's probably a good idea to at least look into it. It's probably something that there are enough. I mean, it's important enough, right? If it's a if it's a thing, then I mean, what could possibly? There's not too many things more important. So, and I can't say it's crazy because again, you and I have discussed this before. Of there were so many little things that are just so different about the the way the votes came in versus the registrations. The how many different avenues this went down that are just going man that doesn't add up that doesn't mean that anti-trump hatred was not the end-all be-all reason and explains every bit of it maybe it is it would still be disingenuous to say there was nothing about this that was weird it's just so unexpected on so many levels so if you guys are paying attention to the chat uh gary molesky just joined us and uh, left a message for us here so i'll read that crap (laughs) i'm gonna read this for the uh, audio uh listeners here um, from Gary Malevsky. It's like, what Krebs and CISA failed to disclose, Dominion Voting Systems is a member of the CISA's Election Infrastructure Section Sector Coordinating Council, 
one of two entities that authored the statement put out by CISA. And they leaves a link here um, for you guys to kind of go uh, research that. So that's awesome. Uh, thank I you thought he was going to yell at me for saying he, I didn't, I wasn't automatically saying he was right. Gary, I think you're right. I'm just messing with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> just get off your phone. <laughs> <laughs> one time. All right. So, um, I want to thank Mr. Molesky for joining us for the interview, and I'm going to get that going here now. Uh, anything else uh, before we uh, get this going? It's not what you don't know that'll kill you. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. All right. Well, batten down your hatchings, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, without further ado, Gary Molesky. I want to welcome to the show one of the leading cybersecurity experts in the world. He's a founding member of the Department of Homeland Security. He's also an inventor and an entrepreneur, founding the counterintelligence technology company Snoopwall. He's a consumer advocate who's been on Good Morning America, World News Tonight, Today, Fox News, and CNBC for his expertise in cybersecurity. He is currently the executive producer of Cyber Defense Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Malewski. Gary, before we begin, that's quite the resume. Did I leave out anything? Did I mess up anything or anything that uh, I should uh, add to that? Don't be humble. Uh, let us know uh, why we're talking to you today. Uh, founding member of DHS, uh, worked on the National Vulnerability Database. So, you, like I said, I, 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 I wasn't trying to sell you short. You're, you're, you're like I said, uh, an expert. You've been around here. Um, oh, that's good. Just say expert because because the guy, Chris uh, Chris Krebs, he couldn't tie his shoe on a computer if he tried. You know Chris <laughs> Krebs, the guy that they fired? Yes. The, the one who said the elections are secure? It's not only secure, but the I'll, most secure I'll, they've ever been. Do you remember the director of CISA, CISA.gov, who was supposed to tell us how secure the elections were? We do. Well, I have uh, some intel that when the president was told we're hiring a genius on cyber to run that department for the DHS, they said it was Krebs on Security, which is a website, KrebsOnSecurity.com, of Brian Krebs, one of the smartest cybersecurity reporters in the world. So the president heard, we got Krebs on security to run the election security? Oh, we're all set. They just forgot to tell him his first name. Chris Krebs, the former chiropractor, who just read a book called Info Security 101 on an airplane heading to a, a, a 60 Minutes interview. This guy couldn't secure Windows if I gave him the greatest antivirus product in the world. So it's high praise. Yeah. So don't get me started. Uh, too late. I f- it feels like um, I, 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 I'm sidetracked by the UPS. I'm sidetracked by the, the Krebs brothers or pseudo brothers. Um, I, I'm going to start going to go back to, I don't know. Let's go to Joseph Stalin. He's the one who uh, basically says that it's the, the, those who count the votes that matter. Who, who counts the votes in 2020? Can you tell us how this counting of votes actually works? Well, first off, uh, this is the first election in American history that had millions of votes show up through the mail. That's never happened in our history, right? Uh, and, of course, people can do absentee ballots. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just pretend they were in the hundreds of thousands in normal elections. Here we have millions of ballots showing up in the mail. What's really interesting is stop the clustering time on the night of the election. You see, you see all these states that we have all these lawsuits and battles going on. Each of those states, the president should have won by majority. In fact, he was in the lead. And all the mainstream media started calling all those states, and they froze the numbers. And then, you know, 4 a.m., suddenly the numbers for Biden are up tremendously. 
what's interesting, guys, is, you know, 147,000 ballots show up in the mail, pristine, with only one name circled, Joe Biden, and it's perfectly circled, i.e., like, computer-generated. Normally, you sign your ballot, right? And when you do that and you put it in the mail, which I think is, is horrible fraud, but you, you sign your ballot and you do what's called down ballot voting, guys, right? Have you ever done that? You vote, if you're voting Republican or Libertarian or Democrat, whatever you're voting, you look for all those candidates that you may know or have heard of. You've seen the big signs in the yards. They're all Dems or they're all Republicans. And it's called down ballot voting. How come, I'll give you a quick example. How come in New Hampshire, all the down ballot voting caused a red wave? In other words, the House has gone red, Republican. The state Senate's gone Republican. The governor's Republican. But the federal elections of folks going to Washington, D.C., and the president was not red. It was blue. Isn't that a little odd? Like the people voting down ballots skipped the top circle for the president. Yeah, we, well, we were doing a little uh, live uh, election day coverage here, and we were noticing, even in, we're in New York, and there was a seemingly a large number of blanks in a lot of the down ballot candidates. Um, again, even here in New York, uh, we didn't really think anything of it specifically about uh, it being any kind of a signal for fraud or anything, but we did notice it as a kind of a weird thing that kept showing up in a lot of these races, especially, you know, even some of the federal races weren't even showing up. So, um, so w- w- the paper ballots is obviously a, 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 an anomaly for 2020, um, but we've been doing electronic balloting since the mid-90s. Is that correct? Yeah, and different states have different gear. If you go go to verifiedvoting.org, you can actually see what equipment is used, whether it's paper. And by the way, hand-marked paper ballots are marked as green on verifiedvoting.org, but Dominion is marked as alert, alert, red alert in red. Don't trust this garbage. So that's, that's a map of the U.S. and what states are using what gear. And, of course, paper is rated the safest. In other words, you go in, you show your ID, you, 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 you hand your ballot in, you slide it in a machine right then and there, but it's counted manually and it's, it's an OCR, optical character recognizer. It's not a Dominion or an AccuVote running deep secret algorithms with special features. Like when you click once, maybe you only get 0.8 vote. When I click once, I get 1.2 vote. So, yeah, it's it's a mess. But anyway, yeah, we went electronic to some degree uh, nationwide uh, over the past, say, 20 years. But how far electronic did we go? And it really depends on whose equipment you're using, who the vendor is, you know, Diebold or, 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 um, or, or uh, Dominion, you know, owned by the Chinese government now, and how deep algorithms are there. Why do we need algorithms on voting gear? Yeah, it seems that I was that was where I was going to go with the question. So why would we have algorithms in voting gear when it seems like it should be just a on-off, yes-no kind of, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, it's either a yes or a no, right? I mean, why is there any kind of computation being be done at all? complicated than that? Yeah. Thank you. You've asked the right question of the day. So, you know, voter fraud in America is real and it's huge. And it, it was harder to do and took a lot more people to do in the past than it takes now because of this kind of equipment. You can stick in a USB stick and and load up, you know, 50,000 fake votes for one candidate. 34 USB sticks are missing in one state right now. Uh, 
People said they noticed people sticking in USB sticks into these devices. So you're loading something into its memory, right? Um, it's an encrypted or a proprietary or a, I can't tell you secret sauce algorithm. It's not, uh, as Ben said, you know, you, 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 it's like a punch card, right, Ben? You either have a one or a zero. You're either at work or you're not at work. You either voted for someone or you didn't, but that's not how this equipment works. What would be the reason, like, that, what is Dominion or the people in charge giving as the reason for this algorithm even being necessary? Well, it was written by a guy for Hugo Chavez, so he could stay in office for a long time. That worked. And it was written in Venezuela, and the founder of the original software for Dominion, you can look up his name, is Venezuelan. And uh, he might have felt guilty about the architectural coding that he did to, you know, help people fraudulently steal elections because he he died in a plane crash. He's gone. We can't interview him. Man. So what's the history of Dominion? I know you made the reference to them being owned by uh, the Chinese government now, and you made reference to them being maybe started in Venezuela. What's the history of Dominion, and why is it important? Well, it was started uh, in Venezuela, uh, and the software originally developed was in Venezuela. If we look at the history, you know, some American investors got involved in Dominion, and uh, it's morphed over time. It's acquired some competitors. It, you know, it's merged different systems to take over 30 states. So, you know, that's a big deal that 30 states use this equipment. And Texas kicked it out when they tried to um, penetration test it and said, this is so full of holes, so vulnerable, so unsafe, so insecure, we really shouldn't be using this equipment. I mean, the whole story of Dominion is long and deep and probably take hours, but you, the current investors, I believe the investors in Dominion lead to people like Nancy Pelosi and the Clinton Foundation and George Soros. And, and you know, I think they all got their payoff by the Chinese government having one of their banks buy Dominion for $400 million on October 8th this year. Hmm. <laughs> timing. Timing probably couldn't have been better or worse, depending on which side you're looking at there. Um so, cause I was reading some of that stuff about Dominion and it seemed like it had a kind of like a shady history and it kind of got here and it seems as though nobody's really, I mean, after this year, I feel like people will be looking at it. Uh, you know, is there a future for electronic voting in this way? Or like, are, are we, are we just too far out of where we should be with using this tool or, I mean, is there a, is there a way to use it effectively and safely and securely going forward? I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, blockchain voting is that even something that's possible or anything or are we just going back to paper yeah well blockchain the idea is a non-reputable transaction you know block insurance policies protection of medical records we're dealing with encryption you know with eth20 format or whatever you know big, you're not going to use bitcoins for block blockchain voting but that's too expensive right one bitcoin per vote so that's twenty thousand dollars <laughs> but um let me let me step back and just first we'll just for a minute we'll talk about the time and then we'll get into electronic if that's okay okay so double voting or ballot stuffing one individual casts more than one ballot in the same location that people are being caught doing that during this election dead voters pennsylvania right this is really funny pennsylvania you've got the do you know the most uh, the largest group of of a type of person voting an age group in Pennsylvania 
is the centennial. People who are 100 years or older, there's about 2,000 of them in Pennsylvania, but guess what? 8,900 and something voted mostly for Biden, ages 220 down to 100 years old. Did you say 220? I want to meet these people. I want to know if Lazarus, I mean, I, did Biden give them some medicine? How did he get 100-year-old to 220-year-olds voting? The year 1800 is the date of birth of many of the voters in Pennsylvania on the government's website right now. Come on. 1801, 1820, 1842, 1890. Do you know anybody that old? Uh, not since Noah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? Sure. In this election, we've got some elderly we've got to meet soon. At Could, least uh, six to 7,000 of them voting for Biden in Pennsylvania, nearly, you know, as old as the folks in the Bible. Could that have been a data input error? Like, really, the birthday was supposed to be, like, 2,000, but somebody just typed it in wrong? Would that line up, or is that, am I being ridiculous? You know, for... for uh, 100 votes, yes. For uh, 9,000 votes, no. And so um, so the answer of Pennsylvania was, well, we've got some people that we just don't want people to know who they are, maybe witness protection or something. So we've changed – this is bizarre because it's on their website. We've changed the date of birth for people who are hiding their birth records to 1,800. So it's, you know, 1-1-18 Okay, that's a small number. Out of the one one eighteen hundreds, there's people in eighteen ninety two who voted. What am I missing, guys? So that so that's dead voters or people who just never existed. Um, there's, but I think these people existed. They just died a long time ago. Felon voter fraud, voter suppression, uh, registration fraud, voter impersonation, vote buying. Jeez. This year, you're going to find the biggest form of traditional voter fraud is fraud by election officials who brought out boxes of ballots when no one was looking with the help of the post office, fraud in the U.S. post office, en masse at a level where we should be seeing thousands of people get 20 years to life in prison for this. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I think maybe you're referencing, because I feel like I saw the video that emerged last couple of days in Georgia where a table uh, showed up overnight, had uh, some suitcases of apparently ballots, maybe in the 20,000 ballot range. Um so, and I think the governor there actually finally has uh, kind of at least opened his eyes to, to allowing some of this uh, or allowing other people to look at some of this information. Um, but yeah, so if, it, it seems as though they, if there was a concerted effort to manipulate the results that they used every tool available, right? So they, they, they enlisted the dead, they enlisted the felons who are un, unable to vote, they did some uh, uh, electronic stuff. I mean, it seems as they were attacking this from all angles. All angles. And there are other countries involved in this. For example, China was, uh, well, Chinese paper copying paper companies were asked to perfectly duplicate our ballots and ship maybe millions of fake ballots to America. And I have a copy of a video of them speaking Mandarin. Uh, talking about it, and the guy's like, the watermark, or this is in the wrong place, and the ink is a little different. I need, you know, hundreds of thousands this week. Fix it, fix it. Oh, he's saying it all in Mandarin. And, you know, um, I heard that a lot of these fake ballots arrived uh, in Maine, um, and they may have actually been shipped uh, through China to Maine, and I 
shipments coming in from China right now, but that's another story for another day. So the, the list goes on and on and on. But, you know, is election gear hackable? Uh, is Dominion a Dominion and change the vote count in two minutes or less physically? They did 30 states had machines doing patch updates the night before the election. Would you be patching, you know, uh, an ATM machine in a bank while people are, you know, taking money out? No. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem my expertise, but I would guess no. Would you be patching an airplane while it's taking off? Uh, I'm going to guess no on that one as well. Would Elon Musk, if he had a bug in Tesla, would he send out a remote patch over Wi-Fi that maybe crashes half of the Teslas because there was a bug in the patch? He wouldn't risk that, right? Yeah, it seems an efficient uh, process. So a software patch to voting gear is illegal. In 2014, the Federal Election Commission, FEC.gov, ruled after Virginia had wireless hackers hack into the Virginia election, state election, over Wi-Fi, that no voting election equipment should have any physical or, or wireless network at all, you know, nothing, and it, it's especially during elections. So, one, they come with USB ports. They come with wireless um, access points or wireless uh, um, uh the ability to get on a wireless LAN. They come with physical Ethernet ports. And these features were not turned off or disabled. They were, in fact, used during the election to cause fraud. Jeez. Uh, let me add, what explanation did the people in charge give for having these machines Wi-Fi enabled and, and thumb drives? What have been the what's the reason? What's the official story? I have not heard yet an official story from anyone. And you have Giuliani and his team going state to state, the states that matter, that were all frozen at the same time where Trump was in the lead. And, you know, there's screenshots and each of these states, same story. I mean, Doug Ducey uh, in uh, uh, in um, uh, where is he? Arizona. Ducey just hired a lawyer, the governor. Uh, and now they've shown enough evidence that he's scared. He's hired his own lawyer to deal with this. Jeez. I mean, he doesn't want to be. You know, he doesn't want. He's got. He's got a buffer. He's like, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, OJ. You know, it's time for a lawyer. The gloves don't fit. Let me just, you know, swell my fingers a little. I was saying this doesn't seem like it's. It's. It seems like it's growing. Um, I mean, I think some of the states that you were pointing out that kind of froze their uh, uh, results uh, midstream there have been the states that have also kind of emerged as some of these places where the fraud is. Is I don't think that's a coincidence. No. Exactly. So um, you can go to everylegalvote.com forward slash country, and that's a good site. And like I said, you know, you'll see there's so many, there's so much fraud. What's really weird is that uh, EPOCH, Epic Times or Epoch Times is a very honest newspaper and media outlet. Um, You know, every time they would do a story about voter fraud lately, and they're digging in deep, if you go on to... um, Facebook or Twitter, they put a, this information is disputed, right? The election was completely secure. <laughs> the Amer- America takes all the right steps to ensure a safe and secure election. Just put in parentheses for the Communist Party, for the CCP, and now they're being honest. Jeez. Um, so I, looking at this, I've been following politics a long time. We were, we were on election night. We were looking at all of this. Uh, Sean's been following this a long time as well. 
And there seemed to be a regular, like, it seemed over on election night until they did the freeze and they were going to count everything the next day. Okay, fine. And then everything started to swing. And the explanation that I've, I don't know if there was fraud was, and I'm, I'm inclined to think there was because none of the numbers make sense to me. They don't add up. Could this be explained by just more mail-in voters were supporting Joe Biden from the get-go and the numbers line up with what we were expecting? Is that a reasonable explanation? So the greatest number of votes in history, including in the African-American community, uh, more than Obama got, went to Joe Biden, who never left his basement. So Joe Biden did campaigning where he had 1,100 attendees in all of his campaigns, total attendance. Trump had never less than 11,000 per event. In fact, Trump averaged over 1 million attendees at uh, cumulative on all of his events, and Joe Biden had 1,000. So that's one issue. I mean, just like the enthusiasm. Now, what's really interesting is Biden and Bernie, they, they like to open their big mouths and leak what they're doing in advance of what they're doing. So if you go a week before the election or two and you go Google Bernie Sanders uh, Jimmy Fallon interview. Bernie goes, a uh, little nervous that the following states, and he named all of the states that are in contention right now, they're just, it's all going to freeze at about 10 o'clock before. And then there's just going to be hundreds of thousands of mail in ballots. And of course, you know, Republicans, they don't know how to use the mail. They don't mail in ballots. Only Democrats do. So there's going to be an overwhelming number. I mean, go watch the interview. It's unbelievable how he describes, you know, the soothsayer Bernie Sanders, who, you know, he, he couldn't he couldn't tie his shoe without his wife's help. He knows the future and predicts it on Jimmy Fallon. Play that interview, guys. You will. It's unbelievable. I, I will do that. Jeez. Then you got Joe Biden, right, during the debate with Trump. It's going to be a dark winter. It's going to be a dark winter. It's going to be a dark winter. Do you guys know what Operation Dark Winter is? Nope. Please tell us. The first one was to deploy uh, a, um, uh, a bioweapon, anth- anthrax or something like that, across America. It was a real operation to see how would we respond. And the current Operation Dark Winter, which, by the way, Facebook and Twitter won't take down my posts because these are facts. They take down everything else. Operation Dark Winter today is tainted COVID tests. The FBI raided the CDC. 50,000 cotton swabs that they stick deep up your sinus cavity had COVID on the tip. There's a guy named Klaus Schwab, and he calls it, uh, his book is called COVID-19, The Great Reset. And they use the terms build back better, the great reset, the great reset, the great reset, build back better. Joe Biden says the great reset, build back better. Once he got GSA funding, right, he's now allowed to have a a domain on the government. Guess what the government's website is for Joe Biden right now, today? Buildbackbetter.gov. And it's about turning the world into communists, making America part of a communist party. They use the term, you know, Green Deal or going green. Do you guys know what zero carbon emissions on on buildbackbetter.gov's plan really is? Do you know what zero carbon emissions is? I mean, I, in a general sense, I know what zero carbon emissions is. I'm not sure what they're referencing specifically, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure that's possible. But he, Well, remember during, remember during the debate, he said he wants to get rid of all oil oh, in America. Yeah, right, yep, and, yep. Right? That's not his agenda. He can't even tie his shoe either. It's not his agenda. It's a globalist agenda. It's a takeover of America. It's a communist takeover of America. While China makes garbage products with slave labor that we all used to buy, 
right? And, and, and we lost our manufacturing in America and Trump was bringing back manufacturing. The globalists want us to have nothing and to, you know, to save the planet, we have to reduce population. We have to make more people sick, more people die off, and we have to reduce population. I know this sounds conspiratorial, but it's a fact that buildbackbetter.gov, that the Great Reset and that Operation uh, Dark uh, Winter are all part of a plan that, you know, Biden couldn't write that plan himself. And if you read the plan, zero carbon emissions means you're not going to be breathing. When you breathe, you output carbon. So we're not allowed to breathe soon. You already get the mask on. Well, thank God the three of us aren't wearing masks, right? But reduced population is part of the plan. Klaus Schwab said we need to get the global population down to about a manageable number of 500 million. That way we can reduce carbon emissions and save Mother Nature. It's called ecocide. So the New Green Deal is to save the planet from us humans, ecocide. Why do you think he's going to do another want you wearing a mask for 100 days i could go on all day guys and i know this is a <laughs> tangent from from the voting fraud but what is the end game if he gets in it's really bad bad stuff yeah a lot to digest there um so let me see if i can uh piggyback on what you're saying there maybe so I don't think you put all this together, but we've talked about this uh, agenda being put forward and this um, relationship with the Biden campaign in China. Um, I mean, we've heard all this uh, Hunter Biden slash Joe Biden, brother Bidens, all the family Bidens in, in China. Is there something that we should be focusing on with that relationship with this voting? I mean, is this what you're telling us we should be looking at? Absolutely. He is going to be a puppet for the Communist Party and the globalists who feel cockroaches and we're, we're messing with Mother Nature and there's too many of us and we got to reduce the population. And, um, you know, the, the, I mean, I could go on all day, but the, the, there's a guy in Oxford on this COVID vaccine that said, we're only going to be able to sterilize 60 to 70 percent of the population with this vaccine. These are his words. You got Bill Gates, who funds Moderna, saying, uh, and I can play it for you, the audio. We need to reduce world population. It's headed to 9 billion. Good job with vaccines. We can cut that number down by 10 or 15%, quote, end quote. So you've got really powerful, wealthy people. So what do you do? You create a dilemma. You create a problem. You launch COVID. COVID's a bioweapon that came out of China. We all know that, the Wuhan lab, right? You launch a bioweapon over 18, 2019 during world military games in the Wuhan province, when 140 countries had their media and their military represented in these games, it was spread upon all of them in October. And then, you know, we started to get, and then it was uncovered, you know, and the president heard about it in January and he said, we better lock down America and hold back from China. Do you know that Biden's team uh, has been to China for a summit and a jaunt recently? Some of the people he's just suddenly naming to be, you know, on his cabinet and his team, we're all part of this, you know, make the world greater summit in China. I can send you that link. Um, Hunter Biden's laptop has so much dirt on it. You know, you wouldn't even, it wouldn't, it, he could start a whole porn channel with his laptop. Okay. He's disgusting. And I feel bad for the kid. Okay. I feel bad. He was the bag man for debt. $1.5 billion to manage for the Chinese government, right? For his venture fund or whatever. Where, where do you, how does he manage pipes? Right. Come on, guys. 
So we could go on all day. That's Dig it. into China and you'll see all the connections to Biden right now. Yeah, we've we've had some fun with Hunter Biden on the show here over the last few few months anyway, so I, listen, I, I feel bad for the kid, too. He's obviously got a ton of problems. That doesn't change the facts of what happened or the concerns about how much leverage anybody could have over Hunter Biden for what even just what I have seen on that laptop. There are things on there you cannot unsee. I like don't don't look if you're not ready. It's it's ingrained. I can never unsee some of that stuff. It's disturbing. You're welcome. What's that? You're welcome. Yeah, you're you're terrible. <laughs> you got to stop so, telling me this stuff. Uh, can we let's kick it back to the elections? Um, you sound incredibly certain that there was not just like the normal levels of fraud that we all know and expect. This was different. You sound like it, it's a certainty to you. Where do you stand on this? How how sure are you? How how what are the odds that this is all at least close to being on the up and up? The greatest election taken place, and it was done, again, physical means and computer equipment means. Uh, it's real. Uh, it's huge. And uh, there's nothing, there's never been anything like this before. And our President Trump was going to win by a landslide, probably 80 million to 50 million in popular vote. And uh, uh, electorally, he was going to be in the high 300s, maybe even as high as over 300, you know, the 400 range. And everything froze, all the media. I mean, you've got Fox News turning all left now, right? And they've gone nuts. They lost 12 million views, um, what they call Arizona, before it was done. Right. Um, you know, CNN caught Virginia in the first hour when Trump was leading by, you know, 80,000 votes. Right. Uh, the main the mainstream media. Here's what I want to do, guys. I, I'm working on an amicus curiae, a brief for the Supreme Court, just in case it goes there. With all the evidence, I, um, I helped a guy defeat the FTC once in a in a Supreme Court case as a cybersecurity computer expert. He needed an amicus. He needed a brief from an expert. Well, right. my brief right now is tons of fraud, uh, easily hacked gear, vulnerable gear. You know, the mainstream media reported on all this voting equipment being garbage all the way up to 2018 and then suddenly they've been quiet so yes it's big uh, yes it's real going to cover it they're going to block it but god willing trump gets back in do you know what job i want uh parks and rec i want i want to be the deputy director of the fcc guys yeah you know what? You know what I would do to CNN? They would have to play <laughs> "God Bless America" every morning for like an hour <laughs> if they want to keep their license to be on the air. <laughs> I yeah. I'd have them do pledge allegiance right before the weather and the news. Yeah, we had uh, we've had our fair share of fun with CNN watching our esteemed governor be interviewed by his brother nightly during the midst of a pandemic where they found time to create giant Q-tip props, but not enough time to ask about that nursing home executive order. That was uh, that was an interesting time in our state's history. God help me. Cuomo, the guy who mur- murdered for- murdered forty thousand elderly. Is that the guy you're talking about? No, officially it's only six thousand because that's all the nursing home deaths we have in our state. As long as you don't count them accurately and nobody ever asks you about it, apparently that's perfectly okay. Um, let me. Is let- he in jail yet? Did anyone did anyone arrest? I'm just curious. I mean, no. I'm not allowed in New York because you know I'm traveling either from DC. Yeah, we don't want your kind here, yeah, apparently. No. That's, that seems to be. Uh, Gary, let me ask you this. So Chris Krabs goes on 60 Minutes and anybody else that will take him and says, nope, no election fraud, no nothing. 
It sounds like there's some credibility issues. Is this the equivalent of me and I have no IT background whatsoever? I don't know how the equipment that we are speaking on right now works. Is this the equivalent of me going on 60 Minutes and going, hey, guys, there's no election fraud? Like, what's his credibility level? Look, it would be like me talking about sports. I can handle the clicks and the politics. But come <laughs> on, guys. You know? Pawn to Queen 4, baby. So, yeah, chess? Okay. <laughs> I love it. No stone unturned. It'd be like me going on the news saying Celtics won a football game against the Patriots. I mean, that's what... Chris Krebs has no credibility, okay? He's a deep state operative. He's low class. He's a scumbag. I'll say it to his face. I hope he's in jail for 20 years and rots in jail if he had anything to do with the fraud in this election. Jeez. How does the security around our elections compare to what we set up for the people in Iraq? I'm glad you asked. I was waiting for the purple finger question. They're so, excuse me. They're so excited in, in Iraq to... Um, to vote men and women women weren't voting before operation iraqi freedom where we spent billions of dollars to allegedly get our oil prices down but the only president do that is trump um and that's because we're now exporting more oil than we've ever uh done in american history but you know economics wins again bad bad, right Right. yeah but uh, iraq iraq has uh what we call three-factor or multi-factor authentication have you heard of that sure Okay, factor one, it's your finger. I got your fingerprint. You're so excited. You have purple ink on your finger. You're showing all your friends. Hey, I voted. My fingerprint counts. My real ID has a matching fingerprint. Registered to vote. Three factors. Now, if our planes can fly millions of passengers, would you believe that the guys who make the avionics software, I talked to them yesterday, and they said, you know, like the Boeing 737, 4777, all these Boeings, the software they make, in the last 10 years, there have only been, in America, there have been 8 billion passengers in America alone, flying over 10 years, 8 billion passengers out of 330 million citizens, you know, 8 billion uh, seats taken, and only two deaths, so... You know, that's amazing. That software works, right? And here we are with voting in our elections where one vote, 10 votes, 1,000 votes, it doesn't matter. I can't compare your signature. I'm not tracking signatures in some states. Uh, You know, the multi-factor authentication doesn't work. And at, you know, 2 a.m. or 1 a.m., we pull out our suitcases and we fix we fix the election. So this is ridiculous. This is unheard of. How could we spend all this money on allowing Iraq to have more secure elections than the United States of America? That's a great question. I'm going to guess the answer is because some people don't want secure elections in America. That's the right answer. People have been brainwashed to hate. Yeah, people have been brainwashed to hate Donald Trump so bad that they don't even like Joe Biden. They just want anyone but Trump, and they don't know why. If you go to MAGAPill.com and you look at all of Trump's accomplishments with one hand tied behind his back on this fake Russian scandal, right, and then the Ukrainian phone call, we're going to impeach him from a phone call. If he called into you guys, they'd probably impeach him. (laughs) So, you know. It's, he was on sports clicks and politics. You know what? That He violated some Pelosi ruling. So, guys, um, this president has accomplished great things. And, I, you know, I didn't know the guy from Adam. I watched a couple of his uh, um, campaigns. 
he came out to New Hampshire and campaigned. And I said, oh, my God, he wants to help find cures for cancer. He wants to warp speed drugs and make it easier for people to get cures for things. He wants us to go to Mars. He wants there to be a space force. He wants America to have manufacturing again. He wants to create more jobs. He wants people to be in the country legally. He wants the price of gas to go down to two bucks a gallon or less. You name it. You know, he wants taxes lowered. You name it. No matter what you like or don't like about him as a person, as a president and a businessman, he's, he's phenomenal, phenomenal. And now you got the Chinese saying he screwed our, our pooch. Let's get Biden in there and get it back. Where do we go from here? Right. So uh, there's a bunch of this litigation. There's uh, investigations. Each one of these states has something a little bit different going on. What should we expect here in the next couple of weeks? I mean, uh, we're getting to a point where if it doesn't happen sooner, it's not going to happen. Right. I hope that uh, that the legislatures in the states who truly not their governors, not their attorney generals, the legislatures in these states um, solve the problem and send the right electoral numbers probably won't do that. If that doesn't happen, and they're getting their lives threatened, by the way, people are getting threatened. Literally, they're getting, you know, what do you mean that there's voter fraud? Uh, did you know that our senators had body bags delivered to their houses this week? Did you see that in the news? Oh, jeez. Yeah, body bags, body bags, I don't know what they were stuffed with, with a message saying you better not do anything to help Donald Trump to reclaim the election. Literally, you can check that out in the news. But CNN's not going to cover it because they probably funded the body bags for all we know. So what do we do? So if we can't get the legislatures to do their jobs and their lives are threatened, they're scared and their governors are blackmailed or bribed by the Chinese or by Biden's people or whatever. uh, You know, there is a 12th Amendment that I don't think Trump's going to be able to use with Congress with Pelosi managing the House. She'll be she'll filibuster through being drunk on alcohol for hours and just always does, and then they'll give her uppers to stay awake, so he'll never get that done. As, but you know what I think we have? Two options. Ben, do you know what they are? I know you know. Yeah. Make a, make a guess. Well, option one is just accept it and move on. No. <laughs> That's not <laughs> one of the options? Option. All right. So option two, it would seem, is well, I mean, that, civil war, I feel like, is an option. I don't know how far down the list okay, it is. Okay, but I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint, like, legally, right? Bush v. Gore, right? Okay, Supreme yeah. Court. You yeah. go to the Supreme Court. The yeah. other so one is... the Supreme Court. The other one is, are you ready, guys? Ready. Martial law or an insurrection act. And if martial... And if, if you go back to September 2018... Donald J. Trump, who plays four-dimensional chess with these people who play checkers, did an executive order. And you know what that executive order says? Nope. No. Don't mess with the federal election. We have we have a national emergency declared two years ago by our president that is still active right now, which allows the military to take over the elections. And imagine that you had to go to every airport and show your one passenger ticket for your one plane, and you show your passport or your driver's license, and the Marines and the TSA took your vote live, and the vote was shared with Congress, both sides, in real time, and the Supreme Court, 
and the office of the president in real time, and maybe the mainstream media as well. Probably C-SPAN would be fair. And a real time, real vote, one person, one ticket to one seat on the plane called my right to vote, one vote, done. That could be done in hours. Yeah. Um. Let me just ask, I want to go further down that road, but I want to take a step back first. It does seem, based on what you what you read in the press or see on TV, that the Trump team and, and the that side is losing these battles in courts right now. Why would that be, and what is the, what's the path? Is this expected, or are they being dealt a raw hand? What's going on with that? Yeah, various states. Plus, you have fake reporting in the media too. Sure, but there's various. There's there's multiple cases. Uh, so, what is it? Sydney Powell has her cases independent of the White House. So it's like we the people versus the state of Georgia or whatever, right? So then you've got the president's attorneys uh, from Giuliani and others. Uh, so yeah, some things are being um, dropped. But it's odd when there are thousands of affidavits of detection of fraud. I mean, one one U.S. postal worker or truck driver, I think he said, contractor said he delivered boxes and boxes of ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. And, you know, he's a whistleblower and his life is probably in jail. It's a fraud. And you can't do patch updates the night of the election or before the election. There's so many things that happened that the Supreme Court would say, uh, this isn't a summary dismissed case. There's too much evidence. Let's proceed if they took the case, right? Sure. There's enough evidence that any state should not be dropping political. Yeah, I, it's the same basic idea. I, like I, I look at this from the standpoint of the numbers don't make sense. It just, if you want to tell me that Joe Biden did all this and it was just an anti-Trump wave that led to him getting the most votes in history, I mean, okay, We've never seen that before. We've never seen dislike of another candidate lead to this kind of result. If you put a gun to my head and said, did Joe Biden get more people voting for him than Barack Obama got voting for him, I'd say no. It doesn't make sense. I don't know how to, I guess, make sense of these things in my mind. The options are either people hated Trump that much that they went out and voted in those numbers or widespread fraud. It, widespread fraud it, ben ben let me give you some numbers just georgia alone these are now facts the governor of georgia is aware of these facts 2056 felons by the way the the 9000 elderly in the age 220 i want to meet one of them in pennsylvania right come on there's nobody that old 2056 felons 66248 under 18 voted 2423 weren't registered at all 1000 box 4,926 voted past the registration date 10,315 died before the election five voted in two states 15,700 moved out of state 40,279 changed county and didn't re-register properly so we're looking about 200 and some thousand off numbers in georgia just on this alone and i'm not even talking about dominion's voting equipment owned by the chinese government now yeah, or the black table with the four suitcases of right. uh, ballots. Is there is there any chance that you or someone like you, that someone that has the knowledge, are you going to be able to go and look at these machines and do like a forensic analysis? Is that on the table? Is that possible or no? 
So where is the Department of Justice, right? If we if, if people don't believe there's a swamp or a deep state, uh, the, that equipment should have been grabbed by now by the FBI as a crime scene. And that, then a forensic analyst, and by the way, you know, whether you, by the way, I voted libertarian. I mean, I voted all sides of the, I just look at the candidates, right? I'll be honest with you. Um, I wrote in my governor in New Hampshire. I wrote in Karen Testerman because I can't stand Sununu because he's a globalist shill. So, you know, I mean, I'm honest. And right. um, first time Barack Obama ran, I voted for him thinking he's going to change the world. Then he, then his first executive order was to hide all of his records. Yep. And I said, holy crap, we have been screwed. Duped. And, you know, he loved to make America a communist uh, nation. So, I mean, it's sad what's going on. So, um, yeah, this is bad. Someone needs to see the equipment. And by the way, uh, I have stated publicly, it's so simple. Ben, you had the idea. You know, the, the no algorithm. If, you know, if OCR character is a one, this is Joe Biden or whatever. If it's a two, it's uh, Donald Trump. Who cares what the numbering scheme is? Right. And if then case, not a complex, you know, sine wave curved algorithm to trick you as to how many actually voted for one candidate or another at various hours of the day. Complex software algorithms does not belong in our voting gear. This should be open source where we get to see how this equipment works to answer your question. Could we have electronic voting? Right. You trust blockchain. I trust blockchain. Most Americans don't even know what blockchain is. But if we disclosed and open sourced it and any, you know, 50 different computer programmers, 30 of them could be Democrats, 40 of them could be socialists. I don't care. They could be Russian, whoever. They could be Nazis as long as they know how to read and write code and say, wow, this code actually does what you claim it does. All right. Ben, do you have anything else before I get a final closing thoughts from Mr. Malevsky? Yeah. One last question. How, uh, if you were a betting man, how does this go from here? Funny you should say that, guys. I'll give you the quick, um, and don't get me started right. I'm excited about this. I'm passionate about this. This is America. This is our right to vote. Mm -hmm. There are people who have died to give us this opportunity. So um, the gambling people in Vegas, the numbers were during election night. This is very interesting because the gamblers never get it wrong. The odds started out um, like, you know, two to one Biden to Trump. But as the votes started coming in, they made it all the way to eight to one, eight to one Trump versus Biden. In other words, um, it, it, it was it was a, Trump was a shoe in to win the election. So the odds were in his favor tremendously up till about 10, 1030 that night. Then the numbers froze. Right. And then when Arizona was called. There was a trigger and someone in the uh, gambling community said, you know, an insider knew the trigger because when Arizona was called by Fox News, we knew something was up. Right. And so they flipped all their uh, their uh, betting uh, numbers away from uh, away from Trump, two to one Biden to Trump. So it flipped from eight to one Trump against Biden to two to one. And then, you know, people went crazy, I heard, in the gambling community because there are people who make a lot of money gambling on the election, right? So if the gamblers knew it, if the mathematicians knew it, if the voters en masse, if the people on Highway 101 in California or wherever, if 90 miles of cars in Arizona were honking their horns for Trump and only 47 total cars showed up for Obama's speech for Biden in Florida, right? 
Something ain't jiving, guys. So we need to fix this. And I think the president should use every means possible, even if it has to get to the military. And we do a big redo, a fast, honest redo of the election, old-fashioned paper. We can't let the election be stolen by the Chinese government. Uh, well said, for sure. Um, before I let you go, anything that we missed? Anything that you want to make sure? Uh, I mean, you covered a lot. I feel like uh, we got you going a little bit here. But if there's something you want to finish with, this is your time. Okay, I'll just add that if you think it's going to get better, if Joe Biden gets in, 100 days of masks, 500,000 police force that he wants voluntary to enforce lockdowns. He's already told the FBI this, by the way. The list goes on of the things that are going to happen under him that have with American freedom. Businesses will fold. If you make $400,000 or more, he said, oh, we're only going to double your tax, right? Every apartment owner in America makes $400,000 or more. So they're charging $2,200 a month for your, you know, your apartment. They're going to have to charge $4,400 a month under, under Biden. So if we let this guy get in and you, if people, he will be the seeds of the destruction of the greatest nation on earth and we will be in Banana Republic, Venezuela or worse within 12 to 18 months. Mark my words. We could always root for another meteor. We just had a, we had a meteor, we had a meteor explode over Syracuse yesterday. So, uh, we were, uh, we're all on edge a little bit here. So, um, Mr. Malewski, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your work. Um, uh, maybe as this thing unfolds a little bit, I need to get some uh, additional uh, expertise as this uh, uh, election uh, investigations unfold. Uh, maybe I'll hit you back up here in the future. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you both so much. Appreciate hey, thank it. You thank you, you very much. Seriously, thank you. Take care. All right. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Gary Molesky again for Ben Hughesong. This is Sean Hannon, and uh, thanks for tuning in to Sports, Clicks, and Politics. We'll see you next Monday.